Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, this is something I really want to talk about to be sure that everyone is cautious and stays level-headed at all times. Now, for context, I lived in the middle of nowhere in Canada. 
was an old town that had quite a few abandoned buildings due to absence of residents. Me and many friends were tired of the lack of entertainment options for us, so what we did was explore these abandoned buildings. Prior to the experience I am about to talk about, we never had anything too crazy happen to us. Occasionally we'd see a small bit of blood like liquid, and we did see a pentagram on the ground from someone who went to a house previously, but nothing too bad. Until the last time I had gone exploring abandoned buildings. Now, when I was younger, I used to go to a daycare that was part mental hospital. Weird combination, I know. It closed down due to a lack of patients and lack of children at the daycare. I decided to go back there with my friends a few years ago. For context, I was 15 when this happened. Most of my friends were the same age. When we did get there, it was rather cliche. There was fog, it was rather dark, and there was a light drizzle of rain. We went to the main gate, which was padlocked shut. We decided to help each other hop over it and made a ton of noise. We were laughing and giggling the whole time, unsuspecting of what was to come. We looked around the small play place park with flashlights we had on our person even with our somewhat powerful flashlights our visibility was rather limited we decided to enter the decaying building glass and dirt crunched under our feet as we stepped into the daycare section of the complex there were still old legos wood chips from previous furniture old torn dolls and toys strewn about the further we walked around the daycare section, we naturally became more and more silent until all we could hear was the crunch of the dirt under our feet. I found some crayons in a plastic container in the corner of the room. I walked over to pick them up when all of a sudden we heard a loud crash coming from behind a metal door leading to the psych ward part of the building. My friends and I all looked at each other as a whole. We were a group of five, most of them were very bold and cocky. We all looked at each other when my friend Brian suggested we go and look to see where the sound came from. Personally, I was not too fond of the idea, but with my group of friends, there was no way anyone was going to decline such a thing. We all stacked up on the door and opened it. It was rusted to the floor, and we heaved to get it open. As we walked in, the metallic smells and must became stronger, with a hint of something else which I couldn't put my finger on at that moment. We walked in, our flashlights pointed in every direction with Brian leading the group. Always were tight and to the left and right were the occasional metal doorway, some with doors open. I felt slightly claustrophobic and it felt a little hard to breathe. As we continued, Brian shone his flashlight into a room and recoiled. We all stopped walking as Brian slowly entered the room. What is it? I asked him. I thought I saw someone here. It seems all fine now. To be honest, I thought he was just messing with us to increase our anxiety. But looking back, I think he was completely honest. He backed out of the room and we continued walking deeper into the psych ward. When another friend swiftly told us to stop, we came to a halt and all listened. In the distance ahead of us, we heard the subtle pitter-patter of footsteps echo through the hallway. We all looked at each other, fear in each of our eyes. Brian continued walking toward the sounds. We considered turning back for a second without Brian wondering if some ghost or something was in the building. But we couldn't do that to him. 
the closer we got, the more I felt like I was being watched. When finally we entered a room on the right which had the smell of rotting meat. In front of us was a dead deer. Its innards were spilled all over the floor, staining the concrete. A friend of mine had a very weak stomach and vomited all over the floor. That's when we heard whispering from somewhere. Brian shone his flashlight to the corner of the room where a man with short hair was standing with his head down. He wore a bright green t-shirt stained with what I assume was blood and torn bade pants. He did not have any socks and his feet seemed damaged. He was twitching sporadically and continued to mumble even after we saw him. We stared at him for a solid 30 seconds before he made his first true movement. He looked up at us with a haunting grin that sent shivers down our spine. You guys here for the feast? He said each word with varying inflection and energy. This kicked us over the edge and we bolted out of that room all the way back to the daycare center. The door was still open and we decided to try and slam it shut, but the rust and pure weight of the door almost kept it open. It took three of us pulling with all of our strength to close it. And just before we did, I could still see the silhouette of the man watching us, his white teeth being the only other human feature I could see. As we sat behind the metal door catching our breath for a second, all looking at each for confirmation that we all saw the same thing. After a little bit of labored breathing from each of us, we heard a light tapping on the door. That's when we decided that it was time to leave. We booked it out of the vicinity completely and ran home. A year after we visited that spot, Police went back to do a routine search of the area and found the man. It was stated that this guy used to go to the psych ward before it closed down. He escaped the facility he was transferred to and lived off of the wildlife around the complex. When the cops brought him in, he had a series of diseases and sickness from eating raw meat. His mental condition was much worse than before. There were future rumors that he did kill someone in the forest while searching for food, but nothing has been confirmed. In the end, guys, be careful, especially in dangerous areas such as abandoned buildings. This happened probably five or six years ago. I think I was 18 at the time. For starters, I lived in a city where neighborhoods and forests kind of blend together. There are plenty of wooded areas where people go to have bonfires and parties. One night, after discovering that all of our usual spots were crowded with people, I suggested we go to a spot that I had been to a few times nearby. I had been there multiple times, but only during the day. The street where we park is maybe 200 feet from the tree line. It's your average middle class neighborhood. Nothing crazy is really known to happen there. So we walk in, start a bonfire, and we're all having a good time. Some of us are drinking and smoking a bit myself included. About 45 minutes pass and I'm a little intoxicated, but nothing major. And over the sound of our quiet music and my friends talking, I hear something odd. I can't make out what it is. So I figure maybe I'm just hearing things. Maybe another 10 minutes go by and I hear it again a little better this time. Uh, it still sounds relatively far away, but it sounds like Velcro tearing. I stop and just kind of sit there trying to listen while my friends carry away laughing and talking. Uh, they haven't seemed to notice. And that's when I heard a sound I was very familiar with. A zapping noise like you hear from a taser. 
very brief but unmistakable. My stomach drops, and I started looking around a little frantically. My girlfriend at the time was the first to notice my distress. She asks me what's wrong, and I explain, and she immediately starts worrying. She gets my friends to quiet down, and we all just sit there and listen for a bit. And we all hear it. An electric zap. It's brief again, but we all know that sound. We, we all start panicking a bit, and we quickly put out the fire while asking each other what the F that was or where exactly it was coming from. We're all scared to walk out. It's only maybe a five-minute walk to the street, but it's dark. We all muster the courage to finally walk the path out and we don't run into anyone we finally get to the street and start walking to our cars nervously laughing and relishing being under street lamps again i see him first he's walking towards us not at us just walking in the direction we just came from slightly to the right of us he's holding a stick of some sort it scared me at first but for a brief second i called myself it was a pretty safe neighborhood that i knew really well and it was really common to see people out walking at night. But then I noticed he's looking right at us. That stare's burned into my mind. We pass each other. My friends and I are all silent as we're having this stare down with this random man. That's when it happened. He doesn't break eye contact, holds up the pole, and smiles this creepy smile. His eyes are open so wide. The end of the stick lights up bright and that same zapping sound happens again. Much louder this time. He's holding a cattle prod. We live in a city, no farmland nearby, no reason to have a cattle prod. My friends and I are silently shitting ourselves as he walks past us. Maybe 20 feet away and goes straight into the woods without a flashlight or anything. We all got into our cars and peeled out of there. We never went back to that spot. I'll share my encounter on United State 20 at Tapley Woods of a dogman over roadkill, which I documented with another reporting site. Late evening on a weekend trip to see my parents in Galena, Illinois, five minutes from Tapley Woods State Natural Area. Illinois driving my cargo van 45 to 50 miles per hour past the rest stop. Hunting registration area exit. On the north of the road going west, I noticed a dark figure stooping over roadkill. It was jet black. When our eyes met, its white burning evil glare shook my soul in absolute fright and knowledge this was not just an animal but demonic. I gunned my old van to the limit as I feared it would chase me because I could feel the stare from the passenger door rear mirror. I pick up two invasive thoughts, leave and forget. In five minutes, I was at my parents' home and went to the guest room, closing the shades of a floor-to-ceiling window right next to my bed. I did not think of that experience until I saw an artist's depiction of a canine variant with three all-black and burning white eyes. Later, I found another account from an elderly couple. A black, white-eyed wolfman had run across the road in front of them driving at night on Blackjack Road in the same Joe Davies County, not more than 20 miles away. 125 miles from the famous Beast of Bray Road incidents. My brother, who works for the FBI, has also lived in the area with his wife and has said the property security found a dead deer 20 feet in a tree. I think only African leopards stash their prey in trees, 
but nothing does that in North America. I suppose a car could hit something that hard, but the winding roads would never let you get up that speed and no reports of a crash. After that, in the winter, 500 feet before a convenience store on the road, I saw a giant all-black dog or a wolf. It crossed very casually, even though my muffler is a bit loud. I caught up with security just ahead of the wolf and asked if he saw that monster canine in its rearview mirror. No, he said. I googled if wolves were seen in Illinois at that time. Only once in 50 years. And if it was a dog, there are strict leash laws and fines. Who would let that out? And my father and I spent some time camping along Highway 49 in California's Gold Country at a campsite that was on the Merced River arm of lake where not many people venture out to. On this particular trip, us, some guy prospecting his mining claim and a conversion van that just sat about one campsite over were the only occupants at the campground. Halfway through our trip, someone is banging on our trailer door at 2 a.m. As if that isn't creepy enough, and it turns out to be the sheriff asking if we had noticed anything in particular about the van sitting two sites over. Somewhat freaked out. We told him no and went back to sleep. The next day we inquired with a campground ranger who told us and the guy was three days late. Checking out and he called the sheriff who found a deceased man in the van. Turned out to be natural cause. So we finished our camping trip but it still creeps me out knowing I was going about my business all weekend mere feet from a dead person. I used to work for my brother doing landscape work on foreclosed houses. Usually we just mowed the lawn so it didn't get out of hand and the house looked at least decent to anyone who might want to buy them. In some cases we would have to clean leftover stuff out of them as well. Eventually, my brother would send me out on my own for the simple long care cases or to take pictures of newly foreclosed houses so the banks could assess what needed to be done. In this particular case, I was sent to a new house in the town beyond the deliverance-esque town in my area. After the 45-minute drive out through a heavily forested area, I arrived to take exterior and interior pictures. I take the exterior shots no problem. However, when I put the key in the door to go inside, the door just opens and I'm hit with a cold, musty air and hear something scurry upstairs. Needless to say, I turn around and deem the house unsafe to enter with the bank more. Uh, for it might be someone squatting in there, danger than danger from damage to the house. For some reason, before I left, I took a picture of the house with my phone and it always creeped me out when I saw it. I have a story that goes back to the early 1970s. I'm from Linwood, Washington. I was traveling across Nevada from Idaho down to California. And it was early in the morning and I was outside of Winnemucca, Nevada about 5.30 or 6 a.m. I was by myself. It was out in the deserted area and it was virtually uninhabited. A car came up behind me with two inhabitants who basically started following right on my bumper and I became concerned because it was apparent that they were really interested in getting me stopped. Uh, they would pull up alongside and motion me over and things like that. I was afraid. So 
as we went along, this played out for several miles, and they kept motioning for me to pull over, and they came up alongside, and I became quite fearful. Well, the oddest thing happened. Somehow, I was getting a flat right front tires. I could feel the car start to sway. I pulled up to a stop, and off to the right was a house. These people pulled up in the car and stopped behind me. I didn't know what to do. I was afraid to get out and somebody came out of the house to a pickup truck that was running. And now this was the only house in the area. There was no other house around. And the older man walked out and he looked and one of the people in the car pointed to this guy. And they went ahead and pulled on by me and took off. So I got out and I looked at the man and he was doing something around the pickup. So I went ahead and got my tire out and changed it and went on my way. Well, it made me quite fearful. On the way back from California, on the way back to Idaho, I looked for this place. I wanted to stop because it left such a mark on me psychologically. I found the place, it was totally uninhabited, absolutely abandoned, no windows, no doors, just an old shack. I honestly feel that something kept me from being harmed Something chased these two guys away. Was it a guardian angel looking over me? That is what happened. I always loved the idea of camping in the woods. There's something about the serenity of nature that draws me in. So when my friend suggested we go on a camping trip deep in the woods, I jumped at the chance. Little did I know that it would be a decision that would change my life forever. As we set up our campsite, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. The woods were so dark and dense that I could barely see anything beyond the reach of our campfire. But I brushed it off thinking that it was just my nerves getting the best of me. As the night fell, we huddled around the fire, telling scary stories and roasting marshmallows. But soon enough, we heard strange noises coming from the woods. At first, we thought it was just an animal, but as the noises grew louder, we knew that it was something else entirely. Suddenly, out of the darkness, emerged a creature that I had never seen before. It was massive and covered in fur, with razor-sharp claws and glowing red eyes. We tried to run, but it was too fast. It tackled us, and we fell to the ground. We fought back with all our might, but it was too strong. We managed to get away, but we... We were badly injured. We stumbled through the woods trying to find a place to hide. We had no idea what had just happened to us. As we huddled in the woods, we realized that we were being hunted. The creature was still out there and it was getting closer. We had to act fast. We gathered whatever weapons we could find and prepared for the worst. And the creature emerged from the darkness once again, but this time we were ready. We attacked it with all we had and after a fierce battle, we managed to take it down. We didn't know what it was but we knew that it was something that didn't belong in our world. And as we limped back to our campsite, we were confused and terrified. We had just encountered something that we couldn't explain, something that defied all logic. We packed up our gear and left the woods, vowing never to return. To this day, I still have nightmares about that creature. I can't shake the feeling that it's still out there, lurking in the darkness, waiting to strike again. The woods may seem peaceful and serene, but there are secrets hidden in their depths that we may never understand. 
This morning I woke up at my usual time. 5 a.m. to go to the gym before classes. I'm off campus staying with my parents. However, they are away for a month, so I've had the house to myself. Well, anyways, every morning I wake up, let my dog out to go do his business, shower or brush my teeth, and let him back inside before I get dressed and leave. This morning, I woke up feeling a little weird. The house had a strange energy, and my gut sensed that something was up. I let my dog out into our pitch black backyard. The deck light didn't turn on like it usually does, which is unusual, but I thought nothing of it and went to go shower. After my shower, I went back to the sliding glass door to my dog in, and I could see him sitting there waiting for me. I opened the door and watched him a large black lack walk in and under a table. I then proceeded to close the door and walk to my room to get dressed. Here's where it gets weird. As I was leaving the area where the back door is, I felt that same strange feeling that I had been feeling all morning. I decided to look at the dog's bed and noticed he wasn't in it, so I looked back at the door and saw, to my utter confusion, that he was still sitting outside. My stomach instantly dropped. I could have sworn on my life that I watched him come in the house and under a table. I walked back to the door, let my actual dog inside, and instantly searched my house to see if another animal came inside instead. I didn't find anything. As I thought more about it, the thing I let in before looked more like a shadow rather than a dog. And it moved differently, although it was around the same size. I called my girlfriend to tell her about it as she was waiting for me at the gym, and she said it was probably just my imagination, but I've never ever imagined something this real. I wasn't even tired. I noticed that my dog was acting a little strange too. Staring at one of our walls and growing quietly, I left soon after that and got on with my day. I'm at a loss. If anyone has a possible explanation to ease my nerves because I'm really dreading sleeping there alone tonight. I was on a hunting trip with my family. I remember it was very cold. Saw a small amount of snow. I looked down the mud and clearly saw a human footprint in the mud. I showed one of my family members as we laughed and joked about Bigfoot. Haha, <laughs> Bigfoot. Later, we started to think that print was in the middle of nowhere, freezing cold. We tried to go back and locate the track, but never found it. I wish I could have gotten a cast of it. My childhood best friend. Marie and I were around 11 or 12 years old at the time. Marie's family had their own campsite in a provincial park about two hours from our hometown and would spend the entire summer each year living in their camper out there. This particular summer, I was able to go and stay with them for a week and we were excited to spend our time adventuring around the forest. On the last night that I was there, we decided we wanted to hurry down to the ice cream shop by the lake before it closed. It was early evening at this point, still pretty bright out, but beginning to lose light. The path we took was down a short slope right next to the main road with maybe 10 feet of thick brush and trees in between. On the other side was the forest with more tall, thick brush. 
So we were walking along, not seeing a single other person on the path in front or behind us. We hear sudden rustling, snapping of branches, similar to the sound of maybe a deer moving through the woods. I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but then the sound of running footsteps follows. Marie glances back and suddenly grabs my arm, urging me under her breath not to look back. At the same time, the running stops. I don't know why I didn't ignore her or get a look myself. I guess I could sense the very real fear in her voice and chose to listen. We both start to panic, getting that feeling like when you're running up the stairs after turning the basement light off. We pick up speed as much as we can without breaking into a sprint, knowing the ice cream shop is only about a minute walk away at this point. The path soon breaks and we are in the parking lot. Suddenly, Marie steers me hard to the left, heading towards the lake and the boat rental instead of continuing straight to the ice cream shop and I go along with it silently, understanding ice cream is no longer an interest right now. Marie is clearly panicking at this point. Uh, we are both looking around, but it seems whatever scared her is nowhere in sight at this point. Marie walks up to the boat rental and gets us a kayak, and we climb in and begin to paddle out into the middle of the lake. As we paddle, she tells me that there was a man behind us and that the man had stopped running at us very abruptly upon making eye contact with her. He had been wearing a long black coat with the hood up despite it being the middle of July, had a terrible smirk on his face, and she swore that as he stopped running. She saw him put something shiny away into his coat. He appeared to have just emerged out of the bushes after we walked past, given the sounds we heard right before he came running on the path. We reach the center of the lake and stop paddling. I pull out my Nokia brick phone that my parents had, thank God, given me just in case. I hand it to Marie and tell her to call her parents to come pick us up. As the phone rings, I see her look out past me to the shore and go pale, lifting a hand to point to what she's seen. I turn, and there was the man stalking his way around the path that circled the edge of the lake, staring out at us. We sat in the middle of the lake and watched him do two full laps, never looking away from us before finally disappearing. It took a few tries to get a hold of her family. We were freaking out so bad the whole time. As the sun got lower and lower, we did manage to have someone come with the truck, but by the time we reached the shore, it was pretty dark outside. I don't know what we would have done if we hadn't been able to call for a ride. Looking back, I don't know why we didn't just go to the ice cream shop, inform an adult there, and ask her parents to come get us then. But it worked out. We got back safe, and we thankfully never saw the man again. middle of the night in the Sierra Nevadas, California inside a debris hut with my dad. Zone by 12 to be exact. We hiked in about six miles for the beginning of the archery hunting. Then, deer. Get woken to a blood curdling scream around 2 a.m. right outside our hut. We could only make out a partial shadow through the leaves and twigs. Only way I can describe it is a very furry horse but standing on two legs. The death sounds went on for two, three minutes while we're freaking out trying to knock an arrow. 
I spent the rest of the night wide awake. That morning, we couldn't find a trace, no footprints or tracks in the dirt, nothing. The first thing that came to mind was that it must have been a mountain lion. We've heard mountain lions scream before, but this was nothing like a mountain lion. It was deeper, more visceral. We haven't been back since. So let me start by saying that my brother and I extremely experienced desert campers and we have lived near deserts pretty much our whole lives. I have never in my 20 years of life ever for one second believed in anything paranormal or anything to do with evil spirits. Unlike a brother who has always sensed presence and been able to see mostly what we call Jen also know as demons. Until last night, which is safe to say marks the last time we will be camping alone in the desert. We always have the same place we like to go when we want to camp with minimum effort and our day started as normal as ever. But as we got closer and closer to our destination, I saw my brother's mood completely shift and when I asked what was wrong, he just shrugged me off and told me to just keep driving. When we arrived, I felt completely fine, but my brother was still unusually quiet. It was around 1 p.m. at that point, and we were planning on leaving at around 12, 1 a.m. And because of the heat, we made the terrible decision to set up under a few trees and a source of water, which in Middle Eastern culture is where the gins live at night. Not that I believed that at the time, of course. However, we still set up our camp and continued on as normal. Now, my brother always says that when he feels a presence, or several in this case, he gets extremely unlucky. First, he almost dropped a box of coals on his foot, then he spilt an entire bottle of coke on his phone, then he dropped it into the sand that proceeded to smash his elbow on the edge if the chair he was sitting on. And which is now very swollen and last, but certainly not least, when he was looking through one of our boxes, he felt something cold and sharp press right against his arm and he realized it was an unsheathed knife which we packed with its case the previous night before and he later said it felt like something pushed his hand into it right where his ends are all of these events consecutively within a matter of a few hours was certainly making us both uneasy and i for the life of me couldn't figure out why he was suddenly so unlucky as I was staring to question his clumsiness, a random couple appeared out of nowhere informing us that they were stuck in the sand and needed help. We drive a Land Cruiser and they had a Nissan Altima, so we didn't expect to encounter as many issues as we did. We first dug them out without any issues, but as we pushed them out of the sand, but they got stuck again. If you know anything about Dunbashner Desert Camping, then you understand the physics behind how wheels get stuck in sand and the way this Nissan was stuck was incredibly unusual. It was literally stuck somewhere with plenty of space available for grip. And later, and my brother said that as we were digging them out of the sand, that's when he really started feeling an evil presence around us, but didn't want to say anything as to not ruin the trip and freak me out. So we ended up having to tow them out of the sand, which again was far harder than it had to be. First, our tow strap broke off of their bumper. Tow strap cost $200 and was fine, but their bumper was slightly damaged. Then we almost got stuck ourselves and a 20 minute job took more like 90. 
which again was extremely unusual and with hindsight just the beginning of all the crap to come when we came back to our camp we noticed how everything around us had gotten unusually quiet the area we were in has hundreds of birds around and as far as we have seen three cats who sometimes pay us a visit but there wasn't a single noise at all other than our fire which was dying out unusually quickly it got gotten dark quickly so we had scrambled to build a fire to cook our dinner before we were asked to help the couple and i had noticed the silence but it didn't bother me however my brother suddenly grabbed my hand as we were sitting down to eat and said with clear fear in his voice that we should go as quickly as possible and that he didn't feel safe to ease both our minds we prayed we are a christian so of course we thought it would help us but i think it accelerated everything that happened and just made whatever was there with us angry we quickly finished our dinner and me being the skeptic i was completely fine and pretty much just humoring my brother until i started getting the nagging feeling that it was time to pack up and leave it hit me like a wave and i was quite taken aback by the feeling so i voiced it to my brother and he agreed that we should pack up brother away and leave we started packing up on a normal pace like we were just tired and wanted to leave and that when we heard a sound very close to us on the opposite side of the pond which wasn't that big that I could only describe as the sound of death itself and it seemed to go on for several minutes and when I say that we looked at each other in absolute fear I genuinely mean I was ready to have a heart attack right there and then at that point after being forced in for a few minutes and quite reasonably so after hearing that bellowing screech. So close to us, we turned on the car, drove it back so we could see better with the headlamps and just started throwing everything into the car without much care, but with a whole lot of urgency. And it was like, after the screaming, that's when it's really hit the fan. First, it was the sound of twigs snapping and footsteps all around us. Then it was the shadows behind the trees and I tried everything to try and get those shadows to change shape walking around the trees and moving the lights. But nothing, it looked like there were people just staring at us the whole time. And you could really feel it too. We really felt like we weren't alone and that we weren't with friendly entities either. We also noticed that all three cats were huddled right behind our car, away from the trees, so they were not the ones snapping twigs, but literally did not care if they were not gonna move. I was still getting out. If they're thankfully they left when we started reversing, but they too looked absolutely terrified and were just starting at the trees too. I also felt like whatever was there was getting closer. And I've never felt anything like it. It was a gut feeling. And you just know it's one of those natural instincts you should not ignore. Thankfully, we were able to pack up quickly. Our tent was very close to the trees though. So that was a nerve wracking experience. And whilst we are packing it, it's still very silent, very normal for the birds around that area to continue making sounds until 2 or 3 a. And at this point, it was about 8 p.m. So it was highly unusual. I personally think I was most terrifying as I was driving away back onto the main dirt path to leave the desert. I know cars very well. I know how they drive in the sand. And I know our car especially well because we've had it for so long and I could instantly tell that the steering was off and completely fighting against me, which fixed itself 
The second we were on the highway, the sound of twigs snapping was still all around us and it was loud enough to be heard over the sounds of the car. On the path was what seemed like every bird that was in the area, just standing there staring at us until we got close enough to force them to walk, not even fly away. At one point, my brother just grabbed me shoulder and told me very sternly to just keep looking in front of me under no circumstances to look through his window was the tone of his voice that told me to listen to him for the love of God. We were in a part of the desert where we had to pretty much drive through the whole of the accessible areas to get onto the highway and there wasn't a single person around us. The only thing we saw was a very clearly abandoned Toyota Hilux positioned behind a small dune and hidden by the trees. It was far enough from our campsite to easily be ruled out as the source of the original screech. The worst thing I saw was as we were closing to the exit. Now we know these deserts very well. We've both grown up here and have been riding dirt bikes and quad bikes in these deserts since we moved here. And we know what wildlife to expect. Cats, birds, spiders, goats, camels, mice, foxes, maybe even the occasional Scorpio. Or if you are really unlucky a snake but that is it there is nothing else in these deserts we saw standing in the middle of the path staring directly at us a deer damn deer i've only ever seen one deer in 16 here's a living here and that was in someone's garden as a pet it's safe to say i was in complete shock and the deer was just not moving at all until i got close enough that we could practically smell the thing before it slowly walked off the path whilst looking right at us. We quickly moved past the deer and again, my brother, with a gasp and then very sternly, said to keep my eyes right in the road. I asked him, as we got on the highway, what it was that he kept seeing, and he very reluctantly told me he kept seeing large figures around us anytime we went through a bend, and they were all either pointing right at us or ahead of us. I'm very glad he didn't tell me at the time, because I would have been shitting myself. We still were yet to encounter anyone, but we still very clearly heard sounds all around us. Again, not the usual bird or cat, but very clearly big and unrelenting. When I saw the exit, I was as happy as I have ever been, but that quickly fade when once again we saw another deer standing right in the middle of the road, slowly waking away and looking right at us, except this time it didn't really look like a deer, more like a kangaroo mixed with a deer. And its eyes were milky and it looked rotten and horrible, but I didn't much care. I just stepped on the gas and fortunately, it had gotten out if the way in time. Now when you exit the desert, you can either turn right onto a long stretch of highway or you can go left and go through a small town then take the back streets to a parallel highway. And as I was about to turn right, my brother, once again, with that same tone of voice, said to go to the town and go to the right. And later he once again said he saw a lot of figures pointing ahead of us. So, if we would have gone that way, we wouldn't have made it home in one piece. Thankfully, as we made it farther and farther away and close to our home, the gut feeling of being watched was going away and of course, having never experienced something like this before, I was distraught and wanted to talk about it. My brother told me as we were going home that because we were alone, the djinn wanted to mess with us, that they wanted to scare us and most likely cause 
us harm in that the way they get to you in such rural places is to force you to stop and then do whatever they want, which makes sense as to why there were so many animals on our path. He also said that they caused bad luck and he could feel them the second we entered the desert, which explains his clumsiness all day in the car that got stuck in such an unusual manner. This is also my younger brother by three years, and actually any time he ever told me about this sort of thing, I always just dismissed it as him scaring himself. I can excuse the sounds we heard and shadows we saw last night. I can excuse the gut feeling as just being scared, but I cannot excuse the two deer we saw staring right at us, and I cannot excuse the car just randomly fighting against me as I was driving. The deer completely freaked me out, as did the tone of my brother's voice. I'm also sorry if this is written sporadically. I'm still shaken up and trying to make sense of everything. And it's safe to say we are not going camping there again. It's safe to say I'm never dismissing my brother when JT comes to this kind of thing again. And God, am I so thankful that we made it home safely. I also forgot to mention that at as we were setting up our tent, it was fighting us. We would secure one end of it into the ground and instantly another end would pop out. And after we finally managed to get it set up, it looked as if something was pushing it in and it collapsed once before we got it back up. And again, it looked like something was pushing on it, which is something neither of us have ever experienced before. And we have set up tents in the middle of a sandstorm before.